Welcome to a new episode of Talking Rivals, a weekly show exploring everything about the best bleeping rivalry in baseball. Hosted by Patrick, covering the Boston Red Sox, and myself, Chris, covering the New York Yankees. And remember, you can catch us wherever you catch your podcast, Spotify, Apple, Google, iHeartRadio, Amazon as well. And you can also catch us on sportsinarium.com backslash player, uh, which is Sportswire Radio. And there, the station manager, Thomas Bryce. You can follow him at Thomas Bryce 2017 on Twitter for all the scheduling as well. Uh, you could follow the show at Talking Rivals. You could follow Patrick at Patrick Trotty. And you could follow myself at CP7NY on Twitter. We could interact, we could talk. Uh, we're always on, so uh, definitely look out for us there. So, Patrick, what is going on, man? I looking oh. at with Boston what is going on a, a lot's happened in the past week it's uh I kind of wish the all-star break was still around um it it's been uh it's been interesting to say the least um I just want to I, I I'll start off by being a little positive actually the Red Sox at 49 and 49 I saw a step where at this time last year Atlanta was 48 and 50. Not saying that Boston's going to the World Series. Just saying, step off the top ledge, fans. Don't, don't, don't give up hope yet. But all that being said, they're they're floundering. They're two and eight in their last ten in last place. Um, I know I kept on talking about run differential all year and now they're at negative 15 so it's um it's not good they're playing cleveland right now and they've just been very inconsistent we were talking about it right before we got on the show and it's just been they've been consistently inconsistent that's their whole season in a nutshell it's one night they get some good offense they get some timely hitting even going back to a couple of series back when we were playing you guys, you get Verdugo with a clutch hit or Jeter down step up. And you kind of, th- I kind of thought there was a spark and it looked like they were, you know, I think every Red Sox fan can agree even before this last slump, even when they were playing red hot, that they weren't as good as the Yankees, but they could compete for a wildcard spot. And it's just like the wheels came off. And it's, I mean, it's a little bit of everything. It's, it's bad pitching. It's injuries are a part of it. Devers is out right now on a 10-day IL. Uh, J.D. Martinez just came back. He was out for three or four games after the break. Um, obviously, Sale, the pitching staff is kind of, Waka and Rich Hill are out right now. So there are, those aren't excuses. It's just, it's fact, but um, it's been bad. Poor defense. They've gotten nothing from a couple of positions. And without Dowers in the lineup, it's. Uh, I think I sent you the lineup last night. I there might have been three everyday regulars that I would consider everyday regulars in the starting nine last night, and that's including if you want to include somebody who's kind of gone under the radar underachieving in Alex Verdugo. Um, 
So, yeah, I mean, they're playing Vasquez at first base a little bit um, during his day off to get him away from catching every day. Um, it's just been – it's been strange. It's um, – they're in last place, but they're only – now they're three and a half out. And the biggest thing of the final wild card spot. And the biggest thing is they have to jump the White Sox, Baltimore, and Cleveland just to get in. And then one of the wild card teams just to get in that final spot. And we keep on saying that the White Sox eventually are going to get hot. Baltimore, you know, just as well as I do, they're a very good team right now. And Cleveland has enough pitching that they're going to stay relevant. So all that being said, I, I don't see, and we'll get into second half projections and whatnot, but I, I just think that uh, there's going to be a lot of, a lot more frustration from Red Sox fans and we'll see what happens this next week with the trade deadline, but it's, it's going to be a lot more. I suspect there's going to be a couple of, losing streaks of at least five games in the second half. Yeah. And, and you look at it, you've got your two and 10 since you beat us in those two games, those last two games of the series. Yeah. And I thought that was a good showing before the two and 10, obviously I thought yeah, they showed a little moxie. They showed a little fight, whatever you want to say, coming back and salvaging the two games against the Yankees. And then, it's just injuries and break. There's poor timing. And then they've just been playing sloppy baseball. It's been all around errors, uh, base running mistakes. Um, and I, I think a lot of it, right bef before we get into the Yankees week, I think a lot of it goes to, um, I hate to be the, the voice of, you know, doom and gloom, but I think a lot of it is Heim Bloom's lack of fortifying this team. You know, they they ran out Jackie Bradley Jr. instead of coming back with Hunter Renfro on that trade. Bobby Dahlbeck and Franchi Cordero are not everyday first basemen. Not at all. Um, I, the Trevor Story injury, but that's unfortunate, but his signing hasn't been, it hasn't panned out yet. Um, the pitching staff, the Red Sox are relying on a lot of fringe starters. So we'll get into the second half, what it looks like, but I think a lot of it's on management. It's got to be because Alex Cora can only do so much with the players he's given. Oh, I agree. And you could, I, I keep on bringing up that, that I brought it up, I think, last week to you with the, um, the Jackie Bradley Jr. trade. I know they got a couple of prospects, but Renfro's doing pretty well with Milwaukee. And yeah, yeah, he's a good bat. And he was injured for a while. Yeah. I think and he's he still got 15 home runs, I think. Something like that. He just hit one yesterday. He looked pretty good. And he was a he was a good glove too in right field. Yeah, he had a great arm. Uh he could play right field really well, which is important in Fenway. And I that was a head scratch. For me, when it first happened, I was like, it didn't make sense to me, but I know you said they added a couple of prospects. They added a couple of mid-level prospects who are hitting, who are playing well in, I think, double A, but they're a little, one's like 24 or 25, David Hamilton. Yeah, that's not so good. he should be progressing more. 
And the other one is a lower level power hitting um, third baseman, which, you know, okay. It's always nice to have lower levels of minor leagues, but um, I think they thought that uh, they were going to sell high on Renfro, but if you're going to sell high on a guy coming off a career year, you'd like to get back more than what they got back. And I think it's fair to second guess those things because now look, Trevor's story might pan out and he might turn. I mean, if you go by the back of his baseball card, his average is bound to go up. He's got the power numbers. He, he's switching leads. He switched positions. I get that. But you could have had Robbie Ray. You could have had Kevin Gossman at the start. You know what I mean? As a free agent for less money than they gave story. Right. And it's just weird that they thought that they needed to upgrade second base, but then first base, I don't know. We'll go with a platoon of guys that haven't proved it. <laughs> or right field, we'll go with a glove first guy that has no power. Right. Or center, you know, it's just it's very weird. It's it's kind of like Bloom's hedged his bets a little bit, done some run prevention, defensive metrics on some positions. And then some just all bat, no glove, and other, you know, it's, yeah. there's no uh, cohesive team philosophy, is what I'm trying to get at. And it's just, it's head scratching. It's because uh, this team, Boston, Boston fans know that they can get on a roll and all of a sudden they get hot for a week, things break right, they're right back in it. I mean, now I, I know you would, you were trying to, you were saying they were going to sell at the trade deadline, and I'm. Thinking, I definitely think they are. Yeah, I, I think they should now. I mean, last week I didn't think so. I I said, you know what, this is a team that's got the playoff pedigree. They got the really good manager. You know what, you get into the playoffs, anything's possible. But when you look at this team, like you said, very inconsistent all year. They've been consistently inconsistent all year. Um, they don't have the pitching. I don't think nope. make a run in the playoffs. Their lineup is. Inconsistent, like we just said, you know. And and most of their got most of their key players are going to be free agents. I mean, Avaldi, JD Martinez, um, Bogarts is going to opt out, right? Yeah, I don't know what they do with Bogarts. I think if they trade Bogarts, like we we were talking off the air, if they if they trade Bogarts, I think that day they have to have a deal with Devers already, because that would be a PR nightmare, and I don't know how you could come back from within two and a half years of, of trading away bets and Bogarts, why would Devers even want to stay? That would, to me, it makes no sense. I, I would sign them both. But if Yeah, you- I would sign them both. Yeah. And you got your three-fourths of your infield signed long-term with Story, Bogarts, and Devers. You trade Martinez and Avaldi, who are good sh- trade pieces, even though they're just rentals. You can get some mid-level prospects for them, and then you hope Sale gets healthy. And next year, you got Sale, Whitlock, Aveda. You fortify the bullpen. You go out and find an outfielder and a first baseman. Yeah, no, I agree. So there's there's heavy lifting to do in the offseason, but I think it starts with you gotta you gotta kind of you know you gotta make a decision on Devers and Bogarts pretty soon. 
and I, I think you're going to get something decent for Ivaldi. You know, I, I, he's he's not an ace, but he's a really good number two. And yeah, and then his playoff pedigree, right? And, and then Vasquez is a starting catcher behind Wilson Contreras and and Murphy in Oakland. Who else is out there in the catching market? Yeah, so I I think that makes a lot of sense. And then J.D. Martinez, I saw a comparable last year. Nelson Cruz got um, netted two pitchers. One is in AAA for Minnesota. The other one was Kelly, who has like eight wins this year in a sub three ERA. Yeah, for a half a year of Nelson Cruz. Yeah, I, I, Tampa. Yeah, I, I think Boston can make a, a nice, you know, additions to their definitely to the prospects. And I think this is the time also too to bring up Cassis, right? He's healthy now. He's playing in AAA. Bring him up. Let's see what he could do. Yeah, I, I think it would be interesting to, to let some of these kids play. May as well. I mean, Jeter Downs is, has shown. Okay, maybe he doesn't have, you know, a lot of power, but he looks like a decent ball player. You know, maybe. Yeah, he uh, he's stuck in the whole Verdugo. This is these are the main pieces from the Mookie Betts trade. So he's stuck in that comparison. Yeah, of course. <laughs> um, a lot of swings and misses. A lot of swings and misses from Jeter Downs, but we'll get into the second half in a little bit. Um, and I think what's killed also one more thing. I mean, I'm not trying to pile on Boston. Trust me, I'm not trying to do that at all. But look at their record against the AL East. Yeah, it's abysmal. There's no defending it, and that's why I think they should sell because I, they haven't won a series against the AL East this year. That's incredible. I mean, so did. if oh. you spin it positive, hey, they're 500. You know, if they <laughs> yeah. if they start to win against the AL East, but then. If you're realistic, like like you're saying, it might not happen. This just might not be the year that they win against the AL East. And you, you don't have many games left. You got nope. Toronto. You've already played 13. So what is that? One more series left. And you're three and ten against Toronto. Tampa Bay, two and eight. Against the Yankees, four and six. And Baltimore, three and five. So I mean, yeah, yeah. you have a bunch of games left with Baltimore, but those are not going to be easy games. And- and there's not many games left in the season. There's only 65 games. Right. And you got to make up games now. And now you're, like you said, you got to climb over three or four teams. And you got to climb over a very good White Sox team, a hot, pesky Baltimore team, good pitching staff in Cleveland. And that's just to get in the last, that's just to get in the first looking out. Yeah. <laughs> and then you have to jump over Tampa or Seattle to get in. Yeah. I, they're not – Boston is right where they should be as far as in the standings. They're not quite a contender like Cleveland, Baltimore, the White Sox, but they're not quite Oakland, Detroit, Kansas City bad. Right. So I think they are right where they should be. I think that means you sell. Right. I think when they – And we'll get into the buyers and sellers in a little bit about yeah. – because the trade deadline is coming up on August 2nd, but – I, it's just going to be a lot of shaking your head sideways if you're a Red Sox fan this summer. Yeah. You know, it's, it's not as horrible as some fans are making it out to be, but it's definitely not. Right. The fans always go. It's, it's overcast. It's cloudy and it's overcast, but yeah. it's not, you know, it's not hailing yet. No, because you, you've got, you've got the base there. You got a good base. You got a good, 
that you could build around, right? Obviously, if you sign Devers and Bogarts is going to be the interesting decision there. Like if you, but if their if their mindset is, listen, we're not going to be able to sign this guy, they should sign him. But if they're thinking, you know, we're not going to sign him, then they got to trade him because yeah, walking out because the for nothing. Their top prospect is shortstop that they drafted last year, Marcelo Meyer. Right. He's raking in low A as a 19-year-old. So he's going to jump up to high A at the end of this year. He'll probably be in double A next year Impossibly as a 20-year-old at some point. But you, he'll be here in two years. So if you could put if you could put story there for a year or so. Yeah, I think that's I think that's what they're leaning towards. Yeah. And I know the emotional part of the fan base is going to say, uh, Bogarts has done it here. You got to keep him. But it makes sense to me. I, I would keep him in a heartbeat. That's a guy you build around because, like you know, Boston is not an easy market to play in. No. Like, like New York is. And if a, te- if a player is proving that he could do it year in, year out, those are the guys you keep. I know it's, it's easier said than done, but those are the guys you resign. And that goes back with, you know, with the judge issue and all that. That's a whole other thing. But when you get a guy who, could, who performs, who's won, he's won a World Series already there. So right. he's done it under the biggest lights in Boston. That says a lot about a player. Yeah, and it's, it, and it's not even – they haven't even gone as far as judge because they're paying him, I think, three years, $60 million left. Oh, that's nothing. So it's not like they, it's not like the Yankees where they offered them, you know, 200 plus million. And how old is he now? 30? He's just shy of 30. He's 29 and change. So he'll probably want a eight, nine. Plus yeah, eight. no, I'm stopping at six if I'm Red Sox. But... Yeah, he, he probably wants more than that then. All right. So that's where it's probably the years, just like with Judge, I think. Judge wants yeah. a couple more years, obviously. You know, so we're talking about the same thing, but Judge's. A year or so younger than him, right? Judge is going to be going into year 31 next year. Bogarts will be going into year 30. So, yeah, it's, it's basically the same situation. I know they're different yeah. players, but they're both all-stars. They're both premier at their positions. So, um, yeah, I think that's going to be the interesting one. That's, that's a big name that, like you said, last week we weren't talking about trading. We weren't talking about the Red Sox selling. And now no. we're talking about selling and selling some big names that are going to be. I thought market. they would sell around the edges and buy a little bit, kind of a little half and half, but I think it's trending towards them selling a lot more. And um, all that being said, how did the Yankees, how was the Yankees week? Well, after the All Star break, they started with a, a double header in Houston, which is, it's strange to begin with to start there. Um, but um, they lost both games. One of them they lost on on the walk, you know, in the ninth inning on a walk off. That was a game you got to win. Um, they came back and tied it in the ninth, and then Houston um, won it in the ninth off Mike uh, off of Michael King, and then Michael King in Baltimore shot, breaks his elbow pitching, and he looks like he he's done for the year. And they said uh, Tommy John is not out of the question with him, so that's really bad news for us. So it was both. Yeah, I know he broke the elbow, but I read something yesterday or the day before that they said Tommy John is not out of the question yet. Wow. So we'll see. I guess maybe the swelling has to go down and see what other damage is there. Um, so they lost both games. So, again, we can't get over the hump against Houston. I know that's going to be – that's – to me, no matter what happens during the regular season, that's what it's, it's going to 
matter in the playoffs, what we do against Houston. You know, we could, we could get by any other team. And I don't think Houston is that much better than us when you look at side by side. Yeah, they're probably a little bit better, maybe a little better pitching. But I don't think they're that much better where we're like, oh, well, we can't beat. We can beat Houston, and we've done it. Um, and, uh, and looking back quickly, like you say, how Boston has kind of, you know, over the last, what we say, two and, two and ten over the last 12, the Yankees, since they beat Houston with the walk-off on July, uh, what day was that? That was July. Um, that last series at at home, it was the walk-off yeah. series. It was, I'm sorry, June 26th. Since then, they are 500. They're 14 and 14 since that game. And it's been a month. It's been. Yeah, no, we haven't had a good month. And now the injuries, I'm not saying they're piling up. But, you know, key guys, Michael King, who's one of our best arms out of the bullpen after Holmes, he's probably the best arm out of the bullpen after Holmes. Uh, he's done for the year. Um, Seve, I don't know what's going on with him. I don't, you know, I haven't really heard any um, updates on him. Um, and now um, Stanton is out on the 10-day IL, but I heard two to four weeks for him. Hmm. Um, Someone is his Achilles. And then that's got to bring up questions about if if he'll play in the outfield when he gets back or if that will limit him. I think it's going to limit him. I'll be honest. I, I would say whatever, if he plays two or three days a week, maybe it's just one or two. You know, I think they're going to – I would say they're going to dial it down, and uh, it stinks because he, he plays a pretty good right field. You know, he's not a bad right fielder. Um, so, But then that also puts maybe a little more pressure on to get a, an outfielder at the trade deadline, you know, that's maybe without, you know, if Stanton is, is healthy and everything else, maybe they say, all right, we'll squeeze by with what we got with Gallo playing a good right field, but, uh, you know, can't hit for nothing. But, um, but uh, at the end of the, after the Houston doubleheader, which they lost both games, the other game, uh, the other game, Herman started, that was his first start of the year. So it was almost like, what do you expect that's going to happen against Houston on the road? Right. So, he obviously only lasted about three innings and, you know, they came back a little bit in the ninth. They still ended up losing seven, five. So they ended up getting swept in the, uh, the double header uh, right out of the shoot, right after the all-star break. And, and then they go to Baltimore, which I was a little concerned about, to be honest, because, you know, you mentioned how good Baltimore was playing lately, but uh, they ended up winning two out of three, which is pretty good. Cortez uh, won the series in the last game, pitching a shutout. Um, so they ended up taking two out of three against Baltimore, you know, and now, of course, last night they beat, uh, they lost to the Mets, unfortunately, 6-3. But um, that was a very weird game. Yeah, it was. It usually is. Yankee-Met games are usually, they're kind of the same Yankee-Red Sox. I, I, yeah, it was just like, it was almost like three games within one. Right. Yeah. Because the hot, the crazy start for both teams. Um, in the first inning, and then Montgomery was pitching last night, if I, don't, if I don't remember yeah. correctly. Yeah, he, he didn't pitch that long at all. Yeah, he got knocked out of, in the third inning, I believe, and he wasn't happy, they said. But, you know, if you pitch a little better, maybe he won't be taken out. You know, you're given – and he's a guy that gets horrible run support, and he got two runs right out of the, right out of the box in the first inning. Yeah. He gives, gives it right back with four runs in the first. I mean – 
you know, and Rizzo just missed the grand slam. Yeah, that was see, that's a oh, he just walked Judge on right on four pitches, yeah, and he threw three straight balls to Rizzo. I know he almost got the home run, but that's a pitch that you know, probably most people are like, why didn't you take it? You know, the guy just yep. seven straight balls, so I get that too. Um, but um, that's a guy you let swing the bat, you know, so I see it both ways. Trust me, I'm there. Yeah, you know, if he's an average hitter, yeah, you know what? You take that pitch, you let him throw a strike first. You know, that's usually, that's baseball 101. But when it's a guy like Rizzo, you know, you got to trust him. If he likes that pitch and he just missed it, like you said, he hit it right to the wall. So he missed it by very little. Um, and again, hitting with runners in scoring position is always the Yankees' Achilles heel. When they lose, that's usually where I look at. And last night, 0 for 8 would run into scoring position. So they had their shot. You know, they had their chances. I know people were getting on Boone, uh, pinch hitting Gallo for uh, IKF in the eighth inning. But he kind of explained it. That move was to force Buck to bring in Diaz maybe a little bit sooner than he wanted to, to get a four-out uh, four save instead of a three-out save, obviously. Um, and it almost worked. You know, I'm not saying Gallo, <laughs> we knew Gallo was going to strike out. <laughs> the only thing that shocked me was it wasn't on three pitches. You know, he lasted, I think, five pitches. But, um, yeah, I mean, they had their shot in the ninth. You could see Diaz, I'm not going to say he got tired, but you know what? If you make this guy pitch a little bit, just like any other closer, they're not used to pitching more than an inning. So if you get them yeah. to, you know, throw a few more uh, pitches, it almost worked. You know, again, they had guys on base. They just, they just couldn't come through. You know, they, Again, 0 for 8 with runners in scoring position. You know, they left on they left 10 guys on base last night. So you're not going to win games that way. So, no. but the bullpen held kind of held four. I think they only gave up one run over the last, over the last, uh, what is that, six and a third or whatever. Right? What did he do? Yeah. It... Yeah, two and a third. Yeah. So six, six and two thirds of the bullpen pitch. Mm. And it looked like for a while there, the Mets were starting to come back down to earth. Or... So what are your impressions on the Mets? I know it's just one game, but. I think they're like, I think they need one more bat. Yeah. Um, and if DeGrom comes back, I mean, it's a big if, but it looks like he's going to make his next start with the Mets. So if he comes back, they got enough starting pitching, maybe added a bullpen Another bullpen arm, but I think they need one more bat, you know, because a yeah, lot I keep of hearing, I keep hearing that they're going to try to make a play for David Robertson from the Cubs and package it with Contreras. That would be great. I think that's a huge move for, and that's, it's aggressive. Um, and, you know, we, but they said Alvarez is off limits. Yeah. Yeah. And Alvarez just moved to number one ranking in the prospects. So, yeah. Makes sense. Oh, yeah. I, I wouldn't trade him for that. I mean, yeah, I think if you're not trading for Soto, I wouldn't trade Alvarez. Mm -hmm. You know, maybe for Soto, yeah, for a package. If that's what you want to do, you want to be. I just don't see the Nationals trading him within the division. No, <laughs> but uh, um, yeah, that's the only type of player you, you're trading that guy Alvarez for, um, and he's close to Alvarez. So, um, and speaking yeah. about trade uh, candidates, I. What what is your we'll go with our teams first. What do you think the Yankees? I know what they should do. Is we're in agreement. I, I think they should get 
you know, a reliable starter and an outfielder at the least, right? Yeah, I, I agree. What um, do you think they will do? Because it's I, less I, than a week away, so it's. I think we kind of a lot of teams are jockeying for position all year, obviously, but it's we kind of know where the team's pecking order is with the standings right now and what teams are out of it and whatnot. I think just looking at them, I think it depends. I think Seve is going to, whatever they think Seve is going to do, if they think he's going to come back 100%, then I think they get the, like you said perfectly, a reliable starter, a two, three, four, you know, like an Evaldi gut type of player, maybe even a, you know, two, three. Because there's a, there's a couple of tiers to the pitching. There's, right. there's Castillo, who's going to cost a lot from the Reds. Yep. Then I keep seeing Carlos Rodon, Frankie Montas. They're going to cost a decent amount. But yep. then after that, it gets after Evaldi, which I don't think is going to the, no, they won't try to the Yankees. But um, after that, you might be able to – I know you don't. You, you wouldn't want to, but Marcus Stroman, Tyler Maley. Yeah, like a middle-of-the-rotation guy. Yeah. Yeah, and I, to be honest, I just think it, it has to do with Seve. If they think Seve's not coming back, I think then, then, then they're more aggressive and they go for the Castillo or Montas, right? Yeah. He's coming back and he'll be fine. It's nothing major. Then I think they go for that next year, and maybe they go more aggressive for the outfielder. You know, um, yeah. that's where I think their their mindset is. I still think this is my honest opinion. I think they go. I would go aggressive towards Castillo. I know you're going to give up probably three top twenty ish prospects, at least one or two in your top ten, right? Yeah. He's the guy to me. He's worth it. So I would go hard after Castillo, and then for an outfielder, you know, we keep hearing the same names, right? Benintendi, uh, Ian Happ. Benintendi, of course, this is why I wouldn't go after Benintendi because he can't play in Toronto, right? Because of the vaccination thing. So I don't Yeah, that's a big that's a big thing to keep in mind. Yeah, I don't it doesn't make sense because we're probably gonna play Toronto in, in that first round if, if they make it out of their wild card round, right? So yeah. I don't care about the regular season. We might I think we have four games left with them. So whatever. I think it, I think the guy that makes the most sense is even half, but yeah. I agree because he could play some center. He's not great in center, but he could handle it. Um, and he, of course, he could play the other position. So I'm totally okay with Hap. Um, I heard um, who they say. Um, I think Bowden or the other guy, one of the other writers, said they mentioned uh, Peralta from Arizona. Okay, but I think I keep saying Ramon Mariano from uh, the Athletics. Right. He's arbit- He's controllable through 2024. I know he had the suspension, so he's come, he's only played like seven games. He's he's got a good arm, which is odd for a center fielder, but he's a good center fielder. He could probably stick in center field for you guys. He's twenty eight. Yeah, uh, that's not bad. I mean, I, my thought process like a month ago, but this would have been a little bit tougher, I think, and I don't think they would have went this way. Was move. IKF to third and try to get a either trade for a shortstop that could I keep using keep using the word for the Yankees the stopgap shortstop yeah. you know defensive guy you you brought up um, Jose Iglesias yeah he's still was, he's still batting I think he's still batting two ninety nine that's a guy I would go for you know and and keep him at short 
Move IKF to third. That's what he, he wants. He's to controlled through the year, and that's it. Yeah, he wouldn't cost much. Um, it would. He would definitely help out defensively. Obviously, much better. And IKF has been offensively. He's been what he's supposed to be. I'm not even worried about that. But defensively, you know, he's been probably below average. I don't know. Um, his throws don't seem like they're always there, and I don't know. I, I hope it doesn't hurt us in the playoffs because that's when a player two might will affect the, the game. Yeah. So you don't mind during the regular season, but uh, playoffs, that's when you need your defense to be as buttoned up as possible. So if you're look, if you're going to ask your shortstop to bat 250 for the playoffs, but play great defense, that's it. Mm-hmm. And just be another, just don't be a reason that you lose the game. Right. Just contribute, do what you have to do, make next good play, all that. <laughs> All those cliches, and if you're asking for that, somebody like Jose Iglesias might fit the bill. And then another position where I think the Yankees got to look at, because and it's such a mystery right now, is the bullpen because, you know, uh, uh, what's his name, Mar- Marinucci just came back. Yep. Which is great because he's you know he was he's he's been such a key player this season, and he's looked really good. Marinaccio, excuse me. I keep on. Yeah, I think one bullpen piece, one starter, and an outfielder. Because Luzic uh, is, that's a guy, but now you got another two mysteries, right? You also got um, Luizago, who, who's come back, and he looked pretty good last night. And Chapman actually had a clean inning last night, which is something he hasn't done probably in two years. But, <laughs> um, <laughs> but he has not looked good at all this year. So, um, that's another thing. You trust him in the playoffs. And I think they're trying to, you know, get him out there and to, to figure it out because he looked like he's still throwing about a hundred miles an hour. So it's not injury. You know, this is just a matter of mechanics probably to figure it out. Um, so I think they're going to roll the dice and keep him. Um, Loisaga, Marinaccio, uh, Peralta, Abreu has been pitching good since they got him back. Um and another big one is uh, Britain. If he comes back, and they're supposed he's supposed to be coming back, so let's see if he's got enough time to get into playoff shape. Um, so they. Might- I think with those, with those multiple pieces needing to be filled or having to be upgraded, I think it matters which one you splurge on. I know Yankee fans don't want to hear that. Right, that you're only going to splurge on one out of two or three. But, like, if you go big for Luis Castillo, then you might go for not the big-name outfield. You know what I mean? Which is fine. And there's also the thing where you got to keep in mind not only luxury tax implications, but team chemistry. You don't want to add too many new faces too late. And then you also – which player that might get moved or that you don't trust for the playoffs, like Gallo? Uh, Definitely. Chapman, which one of those can you live with keeping? Because you might not, you know what I mean? Like, mm. you, you might have to keep somebody on your team right now right. that you kind of think is a question mark or you're not sure about in the playoffs. Yeah, I think Gallo, even if he's on the roster, I don't think he's going to start. Right. He's going to be a bench guy. He's going to be, you know, late. Uh, coming in late for uh, for defense, maybe. 
So maybe him because he's not going to hurt you if he does play, you know, because he's probably not going to start. But Chapman, Chapman has a chance to, to hurt you because you're going to yeah. right? But I don't think they're going to get rid of him either. No. Right? Other teams see how he's pitching. You know, like they, they could see him being – but I that that's why exactly what you're saying, right? If they're going to go aggressive on one or two positions, the one I would go hard after is – Castillo, right? Because having another ace on your on your rotation after Cole, you got Cole and Castillo, and you're good, right? Because now because then it moves everybody back a spot. Yeah. So I, and then the back end of the rotation fill in and be a bridge reliever. Right. So that's why I if that affected both positions, you know, both spots. So that's why I think Castillo, and then for the outfield, I don't know if. I don't know what Peralta is, you know, in the trade market. Like, I don't know how much that's going to cost. I don't know with Hap, maybe one top prospect and another mid-level guy, maybe, you know, I'm not sure what, you know, if you go by those, uh, the trading market thing that, that we see the trade. Yeah. Uh, the, um... Yeah. I don't think it's going to cost that much. Castillo's going to cost you. That's the big one. So you know, if you get rid of, you're probably going to have to get rid of uh, Oswaldo Peraza. I hate to get rid of him because I'd love to see Yeah, because Hap is controlled through next year. Right. So you're getting him for a year and a half. He's 27. Castillo is also controlled for a year and a half. Right. What about Peralta? I forgot. I, you know, I didn't look at his. I, I was looking at the list that they came out with, like, top 20 position players that are going to be, that could be traded. He's not even listed. Yeah, I don't. I don't know why. I would think that. But then there's another report a couple hours ago that the Cardinals, Mariners, and Yankees are the teams that are most hotly pursuing Castillo and Montas. Hmm. So the Yankees, it's going to be let's go for Castillo. If we don't, we got to get Monta. You know, it's going to be one of those. Not Carlos Rodon. From San Francisco, because San Francisco has fallen off. They've taken a nosedive, too. You know what? We've said that, but when you look at the the standings, I think they're only three games out of the wild card. I, I see the Giants a lot like the Red Sox. It's just... Oh, I agree. But do they make that... Will they yeah. say, all right, let's go for it. We could win it, you know, and let's trade for a couple of guys. Are they, are they going to have that mentality? Or are they going to have the... What you're saying with Boston, all right, let's sell the guys and let's worry about next year <laughs> you know yeah. it's gonna yeah, be a- it's, it's tough because this extra spot has opened up a lot more of these difficult conversations with these teams and you know what they're they're basically the same team they're one game under 500 and yep. they're two and a half out of the last wildcard squad but they only have one team to jump so they're a little bit they're in a little bit better position than yeah them. but so, not, then, yeah. You know, think about it really not i mean so that's why oh Peralta is a free agent after this year. Okay, so he's a rental. Um, yeah, so that's so he probably won't cost much. And his season so far this year, 247, 12 homers, 40 ribbies, slugging 461, OPS 776. So, so I think we're in agreement Castillo's gonna get moved. My big question is does Soto get moved? That's a, that is the big question because that, that's that's the number one question that I think I don't even think that drives usually 
the big names drive the market, like like Castillo, like you said, if you can't get Castillo, then you have to go to option B, Montes, and you kind of just keep going down the list. Soto is a one of one. He's, you know, I hate to say that he's the unicorn, but right. he's the outlier for this. I don't think he drives the market. I think I think he's between his arbitration control, his age, and his obvious talent. I don't think they move him yet. I don't think they want to rush this. Right. You got to get it right. I, I totally agree with what you're saying. You got to get it right. I think you got to take the off season and just figure it out. And, and like you said, you have to get it right. So, and I think I, I keep on hearing the Cardinals, the Padres. Um, so I think there's, there's not that many teams that are, I mean, every team is going to pick up the phone for Soto, but I don't think there are many teams teams that can legitimately put together the type of package that the Nationals are rightfully asking for. And do they really want to for one player? Giving up, four, what, four, four of your top ten prospects? I mean, top five prospects, really. But yeah, it's... It's a, it's a lot. I mean, I, I'm i not into prospect hugging either. That's why, yeah, I want, I want Castillo. Three guys in your top 15 are going to go, but... That's a lot different. Because these prospect rankings get, yeah, I love looking at prospects and prospect rankings, but there's a there's a huge difference between top five because those guys are not foolproof, but they're they're more highly vetted. They're usually they've been around for a little while longer, and they more eyes have been on them. Whereas the mid level prospects, it really is prospect. It's it's a lot of projection. It's a lot of and obviously there are outliers to all these, but I'm just saying that, you know, there's a, there's a huge difference between when you say top five prospects for a team, you're looking at some really coveted pieces. Right. And the mid-level prospect for each team, they probably are a player who has one plus pitch that is, that is big league ready. And then, a couple other ones that are, you know, they're working on and they're average pitches right now, or they're very, you know, they have great power right. potential, but they got to work on field. You know, it's just, yeah, no, I agree. Not, prospects are just like you said before, it's, it's a coin flip. It's, um, right. Like what, to be honest, like when you look at it, what's the percentage that the four guys, that's a, yeah, that's a, that's, I'm sure there's been somebody that's that's done that percentage of <laughs> like what do you think? All right, say the Yankees get rid of four of their top five prospects for Soto, right? They they do it, boom, they make the they make the deal. What's the odds that all four of those guys are going to hit? And then are they going to hit to anywhere near what Soto? Soto is a future Hall of Famer, not even starting in his prime yet, right? He's 24, 23 years old. So you still got, I mean, a close to 10 years of, of what Soto could do for you. And he may even be getting better. That's, that's the scary part with that guy. So um, you trade yeah. Peraza. Is Peraza going to be an, a perennial all-star? Is 
you know, is Dominguez as great as this kid is, you know, being touted? How good is he going to be? Is he going to be Soto? Is he going to be that good? So I'm okay with trading. Baseball, yeah, no, I, I, I hear what you're saying. It's tough. It's it is. Baseball America said they did a, a poll. How many all-stars or former top 100 prospects from 2009 to 2018? So for a decade, 61% of all all-stars were once top 100 prospects. 68% of hitters, 54% of pitchers. So at the best, it's two-thirds. And But that's top 100 prospect in all of baseball. And I think the Dodgers led that with seven this year. So on average, you're looking at, that's like saying, how many of the top five prospects in each on each team become an all-star? And this was the past decade. So to your point, it's, I would say now it's leveled off a little bit. It's probably 50-50. And these are the top, top prospects. So Peraza, so Volpe, Dominguez, and Peraza, you want to say? Those three? Yeah, at least. And then after that, maybe a Sweeney or a Wells. I don't know if they would just take all position players, though. Right, that's the other thing. Do, do they want two pitchers? Do they, you know, like... But if you said Dominguez, Volpe... Peraza and Sweeney, out of those four, according to Baseball America, two are going to become starters, 26 men on your roster, big league, multiple years. I'm thinking one becomes an all-star, you got to hope, at least. That's the other thing, right? You got to hope that, I would say, at least two guys out of the four or five guys you're getting are going to be perennial all-stars, not pretty good players. You know, all right. We yeah, do. I mean, look at the Mookie Betts trade. They got Alex Verdugo. Pretty good player. Good player, but he's just an everyday. He's not going to be an all-star. Right. He's a 260, 270 hitter with little power, decent, above-average gloves. He's just a good – he's a good for your – as your second or third outfielder if you're ranking your outfielders that are starting. Yeah, and then two guys that haven't proven it in the big league level, Jeter Downs and Connor Wong, who's right now starting catcher in AAA. He might be next year's backup catcher. All right, so let me ask you this. When when the trade was made, how high were those prospects rate, uh, rated? Do you remember? Verdugo, um, I know, was the crown jewel of it. And then it was Jeter Downs and then Connor Wong. Uh, Jeter Downs was probably a top 10, I would think, right? I think he was even higher than that. Oh, like a top five. Um, the Dodgers have a great one. I mean, they just, they, they like grow them <laughs> in their system. Aspect rankings. He was in the Futures game in 2021 as a Red Sox. But before that, he was ranked, according to MLB.com, before. 2020 season, he was ranked the 44th best prospect in all of baseball. 
So that I, on paper, it looks great, right? He you was know, a first round draft pick. But the thing that's that's weird about Downs is this is his third team since being drafted. Oh, who was drafted? For, who he drafted? He was drafted by the Reds out of high school, then traded to the Dodgers as part of that Puig trade, Yasiel Puig. Yeah, and then the Dodgers traded him. Ah, okay. Hmm. So everybody keeps saying, pretty much everyone keeps saying, he's enticing enough for us to take him. He's got potential. But when we see a better player, we're more than willing to put him in, in the trade package. And all this is being said, today is his birthday. So happy 24th birthday, GP Downs. After we destroy you. <laughs> yeah. After I basically say, you know, bomb will strike out too much. But, and watch, he turns out to be an all-star. I mean no, – but- I, no, but that was just, it was, I just, I was curious because then Connor Wong, was he a top, he wasn't a top 10, was he? Probably. No, he was in the Dodgers organization. He was probably 15 or 20. Okay. So, you had so it was one guy that showed it on the major league level in Verdugo. He kind of showed bits and pieces, a top prospect, and then a mid-level. And but, that was for Mookie Betts. That was going to be a free agent. Right. But here's, that, that's that's the point I'm making is that even if you make this trade and you get back pretty good players or they end up becoming pretty good players, was it worth it? Because Mookie Betts is a, you know, he's another one. Perennial All-Star, yeah. maybe a future Hall of Famer, I don't know, but that's what you there, do. Yeah, no, I get, I, I tend to agree with you, right? There, obviously, there are two schools of thought on this, that a team's going to either overpay or that, you know, one team is going to get the upper hand on this trade. Right. And it's – I think there's got to be a limit to each team. Like, if you're, if you're the Yankees, I think you got to say, this is our best and final offer, and we're not doing this back and forth where you can up the price and kind of use the rest of the league against us. And, you know what I mean? It's just got to be what, – what would you say is your best and final? Like, four out of – Top ten prospects. Oh, for Soto, yeah, uh, yeah. I don't think I would go more than that. I mean, that would probably be my max, and I'm sure the Yankees are. They probably are holding on to a certain. They're probably saying, okay, you could have these four, but you right. say, like, I think Volpe is totally untouchable, right? Okay, so if you say Volpe is our guy that we're keeping, then you can offer them Dominguez. Um, Dominguez, Peraza, and then fill in the blank with two others. Right. Probably one of their pitchers was Wisniewski. That's the other guy that looks like he's close. Um, so, yeah, I, listen. I think, I, again, they're prospects, so you never know. But I think that would be more than fair offer. Yeah, and, and that's always been my argument with that. Like, And you can't give up more than that. I mean, it's one player you're getting back. As great as Soto is and how great he's going to be, over the next decade, right? Now you got to sign him, obviously, and all that, but as great as he's going to be, he's only... Yeah, that's another thing. <laughs> the, the talk that I hear online is either, oh, they're going to get fleeced, or, oh, he's the best hitter since, you know, he's the best player since, you know, Ken Griffey or something. Just yeah, something right. crazy. Right. Like That's what he's going to be. Juan Soto, you could trade for Juan Soto. You could trade a bunch of guys that turn out to be, quote-unquote, busts bums or not make it right and he could still be in right field and if you're if you make a bad pitch he could just be the guy watching the home run ball in the world series go over his head like 
it's only one player. It's he's not he's not Superman. And here's the other point going back to Bogarts, right? How is Soto? All right, Soto's played in the World Series. Okay. But how is he going to play in pinstripes? We've seen it, right? I think he's going to be fine, right? Because the guy's a great hitter. I, I have no problems. But what if he can't? <laughs> you know, like, what if he comes there and starts to slump and starts hearing the booze and all oh, that? That's possible because he could have a bad week and they're booing. Oh, yeah, yeah. He's not hitting 50 home runs. To, you know, the And then to add another layer on, what happens if he comes to the Yankees you give up what the Yankee fan base thinks is a fair package. He signs a contract, he starts hitting well, does everything the right way. What do the players and the fan base think, not say out loud, but think about you giving Soto the money and not judge? Exactly. And he's not, listen, he's a great hitter. He's, he's, he's a great hitter, but not, he hasn't done it. He, he hasn't done it with the Yankees. And he's he not, hasn't done it with these players. Like he hasn't put in, there's no I'm trying to think of the right term. Well, for no, and he's also no judge in the field either. Right. Right. He's not a right fielder. He's an okay right fielder. I don't know what his defensive metrics are, but he's not a great right fielder. Right. So that's that's where we're going to lose something with him is he's going to hit on a good year. He'll hit 35, 40 homers and bat, you know, 310, 320. You know, and the big thing is the on-base percentage. Yeah. But yeah, look, he's a great player. I'm just saying yeah. you got to come in with the best and final offer and just and stick to it. And hopefully it's good enough for whatever team. I think I, – I actually think he stays in the National League. Yeah. I could see him going to like a St. Louis, San Diego. San Diego I think my big prediction is Castillo is the biggest name moved at the trade deadline. Yeah. I, think I don't think Soto gets done this week. Yeah. Yeah. Because it's got to be perfect. You can't give up a guy that's a future Hall of Famer. I think, oh, okay, now we're going to trade him. You know, like this has to be. I think an off-season type of move or someone totally blows them out of the water. You know, you might see a team just say, okay, you want our top five prospects. Here you go. We want Soto. You know, like maybe, I don't know if St. Louis would do that or San Diego. If a team does that, yeah, then. Right, you got you make the move. Then di- just disregard everything I've said for the last 20 minutes. But I think, you know. Everybody says we can have our top five prospects. I, I think um, what affected, what might affect any move with San Diego is, Losing uh, Mackenzie Gore, right? Because he's hurt now. Yeah, that hurts. I think um, he, would have been, he definitely would have been one of the names going to the Nationals if, if that was going to be made. But now they become a player from Montas, right? They already got yeah. this guy from the A's. <laughs> Maybe they're going to make a trade for the other one. So it's, uh, yeah, trade deadline's going to get crazy next couple of days, obviously. Um, yeah, less than a week away. So, um, and the other big news got to bring it up is the hall of fame is uh big poppy i thought he did a great job um i don't know if you caught any of his speech uh jim cott's speech was pretty good um the rest were you know i'm glad that the guys got in those are the headliners uh tony oliva too 
Um, any thoughts on before we get into looking at uh, next year's class? Because I have some thoughts on that, but yeah. any thoughts on this year's class? Um, yeah, I, I think all of them that should have gone in, they should have gotten in. I mean, obviously Ortiz is the one that's, you know, the big one that, oh, the, you know, he tested positive for that one time. And, but um, listen, we, we've talked about it before. He's very likable. Everybody loves Ortiz, except for Yankee fans. <laughs> but, there you go. Yeah, <laughs> basically. Um, yeah, listen, and we've said it, if Bonds was like Ortiz, he'd be in there too. So in that sense, I don't, I don't like it. But listen, Ortiz is in, he's in. We kind of figured he was going in. The other guys definitely deserved it. They've been, uh, they obviously waited too long to put some of these guys in. But Yeah, yeah, far too long. Yeah, like Hodges, you know, he passed. Yo, Hodges, I mean. Um, Mini Minoso, right? I thought he was already Yeah, I thought he was already in. Yeah, so, but yeah, those guys definitely deserved it. So I have no problems with them going in. I mean, Ortiz, we could, we could, trust me, that's a whole episode of who should be in, who shouldn't be in. Yeah. You know, should they let the steroid guys in, not get in? And I think let's. I think most most level-headed people can at least agree on it should just be consistent. Right. Yeah. The whole like whatever whatever thing it is, if it's an umpire, if it's the Hall of Fame, if it's any, you just want consistent. You want to know from the start to the finish, this is it, and those are my standards. Like, if a ball is a ball in the first inning, it should be a ball in the ninth. If he's a Hall of Famer in the 30s, it should be a Hall of Famer now. Yeah. So. I mean, there's guys, like like we've seen, you know, that should be in, and why they're not makes no sense. I mean, we've talked about Jeff Kent. I'm still amazed that that guy has not gotten in yet. Uh, White Evans. Dwight Evans, another really good Billy one. Randolph, like we've said it before, second base, there's – there's a lot of good second basemen. There's, um, it's it's odd. There's not that many third basemen in the Hall of Fame, right? And I know that's coming up with uh, Adrian Beltre soon. But uh, next year's class, you sent me the link. It does not look good. No, there's me uh, for first time eligibility. You're looking at. I'll start off with the the closest name. I think is Carlos Beltran. Yeah, I think he eventually gets in. Maybe he doesn't get in first ballot, but I think I, I think there's no way he's a first ballot Hall of Famer. Right. He can't be. It, uh, to me, first ballot Hall of Fame is three thousand hits or five hundred home runs. Right, automatic. I got you. Guys that you don't have to say. The guys that's just a simple one sentence. You don't have to explain. His you could just say it's yeah. Well, it's Derek Jeter. It's right. Dave Ortiz. You know, it's. Those type of players. Beltran, you said it best. He eventually probably gets in. Yeah, I think the only thing clouding it is the whole thing with Houston, but yeah, he's got pretty good numbers. 435 homers, 1,587 RBIs. Good amount of stolen bases. 312 stolen bases. Um slugging 486, OPS 837. Yeah, no, he was he was a good all-around player. He was a very good player. Yeah. Right, very good. So you're saying it perfectly. He's very good. Does that get him in? I don't know. Eventually, I think that gets him in. How many years are they on the ballot if they get the minimum requirement? Oh, it's five. I think it's like 10 or 15. 
something like that. Yeah, it's a low number. I could see him getting in on like the fifth ballot. I wouldn't. I wouldn't mind that. I, I would mind. I really would mind if he's a first ballot. And here's, uh, according to the Jaws leader, the Senate field, he's ninth. And all the guys wow. ahead of him are in the Hall of Fame or Mike Trout. Who's going to okay. Who's, like, who are some of the names right behind him? Kenny Lofton is 10th. That's and another name. That, yeah. He, those guys that we, we could make arguments for easily to be put in. Um, Beltran, the thing that surprised you, just looking at his numbers, and we don't like, you know, I, I'm, I'm not going to go crazy over this number, but his defensive war is two. For his whole career? Yeah. Wow. But then again, Ty Cobb was minus 10.8. Mickey Mantle, minus 9.6. But they also played in, like, their, their outfield that they were covering was the size of a cornfield. Yeah. All right, compare him to other guys that we've seen. I was playing with like, I get your point, but it, Beltran. He was always a, a very good center fielder. Yeah. I, I mean, uh, but then you look at other guys. Kenny Lofton is at 15-5. And Andrew Jones, of course, how great he was. I think it's because Beltran maybe moved to a corner position. Yeah, that could be. That probably affected uh, that number. Either way, the guy was good. I mean, he was. And then the other names are just uh, yeah. a name that both of us like, or like, some of us like. Jacoby Ellsbury, <laughs> he's not a Hall of Famer. Nope. Matt Kane put up Hall of Fame numbers for part of his career, and then it just injuries and everything else. He's not a Hall of Famer. John Lackey, same thing. Mike Napoli, Frankie Rodriguez, maybe. As a closer. Oh. As a closer, he was a he was a very good closer. Right. But then I hate to do this. What about Billy Wagner? Oh, I agree. Um, that's a guy that should go in without a doubt. Um, we know that. <laughs> Andre Ethier, no. Jared Weaver, no. Jason Worth, Houston Street, Mike Napoli. I mean, all, you know. They had their moments. They had all-star appearances. They had, you know, 35 home run seasons, 21 season here and there. But none put it together for a consistent amount of time. And if you look at Frankie Rodriguez, only three guys have more saves than him in in history. And okay. those guys are Hall of Famers, obviously, Rivera, Hoffman, and Lee Smith. So just to give you the, you know, kind of a, bare number i mean if you're just looking at saves and that's what he was when he and remember he came up and he was the setup guy for uh the angels for a little bit the guy was like yeah hittable when he first came up yes but joys he's 12th i think the biggest thing with the the hall of fame is there's going to be for for at least for next year's hall of fame class for 2023 it's the guys that got off the ballot this year that kind of unclogged it for the rest next year like next year is going to be what who, who would you vote for for next year uh let's see who's left well kent is not on it anymore right i think last year was his left right i would vote for um 2023 i would vote for scott walton 
Uh, yeah, Scott Rowland. I, I would vote. I would vote Rowland, Helton, Wagner, Jones, and Kent. Oh yeah, Kent has one more year. Last year was his ninth. Uh, this year was his ninth, I should say. Um, so you also have Tory Hunter, Mark Burley, Bobby Abreu, Jimmy Rollins needs to get more votes. Yeah. We we talked about him. Edit. Mescal is not getting anywhere near it. Yeah, Miras, no. Kent, Arod, Sheffield. And then the big, the big numbers are above fifty percent from last year. Were Wagner, Helton, and Rollin. Yeah, I could. Rollin, I could see going from the sixty-three percent to seventy-five. Helton yeah. and Wagner in the low fifties. I don't know if they will. I would put them in, but I could see a class of. Very good players that got in when they should, all in like their sixth to tenth year. Right. There's not going to be a headliner there that should travel across the country unless you grew up watching this guy play. You know. Oh, and um, it looks like five uh, percent is the number that you get. Yeah. Back. And then I'm just looking at first ballots next year, the year after. You're looking at Adrian Beltre, obviously. After that, maybe Joe Maurer. He'll be an interesting guy to see. I, I think he gets in. I think he did enough at catcher. But you know, um, yeah, I, I'm 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 good with all the guys you mentioned. Um, I'm just thinking of guys that are going to be automatic first bound Hall of Famers in the coming years. You got Beltre. Two years from now. Cool. Three years from now, it's got to be Ichiro and CC. Yeah. So that's something to look forward to. Yeah. And then not to get too far, but um that's well, in five years, right? Yeah. So well, I mean and who's the other guy? Um oh Miggy, but he's got I think one more year left. Yeah, so Cabrera's plenty of time from now, but there's I think the whole I think I think we have it right. I hate to say it. <laughs> I think we're we're in the ballpark as far as the Hall of Fame should be rare and special and deserved. It shouldn't be, you know, you get this, you get that, let everybody in. Well, at least now we won't hear the the argument about Bonds or Clemens anymore, even though I, I thought they right. both get in along with Schilling. But now for the next decade, we're going to hear A-Rod's name. That. Yeah, A-Rod's the new one. Pete Rose always hovers. He's um, never on the ballot. I wish that was the one thing with him. I he's going to be at the um, event okay. on the field for the Phillies World Series celebration, the anniversary of that team. And that's okay. I, I'm okay. Yeah, that's that's fine. But if you're going to make them part of stuff, right. I'm on the ballot, like you said. Listen, and I, I was just at the Hall of Fame a couple of weeks ago. You know what? His name is in the Hall of Fame, right? Yeah. And you can't tell the story of Major League Baseball without telling about Pete Rose. Just like no, that's a lot of hits to leave out. Right. Just like Barry Bonds, he's the home run leader. He's got how many you know bold numbers on his, you know, in his uh, stats, and he's yeah. not in the Hall of Fame. It makes no sense. I'm sorry, Clemens, another guy, the greatest players that ever lived, like no doubters. 
and you're going to tell me they can't get in because of steroids, but other guys could get in because of steroids? Here's a here's a good. It's it's just an opinion. There's no right or wrong here. Right. Who do you yeah. think Clemens? Who do you think Clemens goes in as? I think it's got to be a Red Sox if he went in. Yeah, I think so too. I wonder if he would pick the Astros only because he's from Houston and. But you're True. right. Yeah, he should definitely go into the Red Sox. Yeah, it'll it'll be. Um, I don't know. He was great for the Yankees, but no, I think definitely Boston. I agree. The um, list of first ballot Hall of Fame inductees, like I was just saying, is it's not that many, and I don't think there should be that many. It's been more recently. So, I mean, at the start of the Hall of Fame, it was like just Mount Rushmore names, right? But more recently, it's been. Very, very, very good players. Don't get me wrong, but um, there was Ortiz, then there was Jeter, Rivera, Roy Halladay, Jim Tomey, Chipper Jones, Pudge Rodriguez, Griffey Jr., Smoltz, Pedro. 2015 was pretty good. Smoltz, Pedro, Randy Johnson. Yeah, that's still the role I'm at. That's, yeah, that's pretty solid. I think I'm trying to think of the the best year other than like the first year 2007 is pretty solid Gwyn and Ripken yeah that's good to guess right there 99 is another one and then we can talk about other stuff but George Brett Nolan Ryan Robin Yount yeah that's pretty good <laughs> that's 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 pretty there's good. not much to argue about there but I think the Hall of Fame is starting to to get it right sadly there's always going to be the conversation of A-Rod yeah. Is Pete Rowe, like there are going to be certain names that are just, if you want to start an argument with somebody, it's pretty easy to. Yeah. And I, I, and I don't think it's the problem. Yeah. We, we could go on a million, we could go on forever with the argument with that because, and I just, I, I think it's crazy not to have these guys in the Hall of Fame because, like I said, and I think it's crazy to have Bud Selig in the Hall of Fame if you're not going to have the players. Right. Absolutely. He's the one that oversaw all that and let it go. Yeah. So <laughs> what is <laughs> – yeah. I. But that's the great thing about the Hall of Fame is it's not only a great place to visit for baseball fans, it's also a great conversation to have because it just – you can go multiple different ways with it. Yeah. It'll, it's going to be interesting what happens, especially next year. I think with Kent, I would love to see him get in because he deserves it. But – He's gonna have to make up what about forty percent votes. Yeah, it's gonna be a tough, yeah. tough hill to climb. Yeah, I don't think he's gonna get in. He's at thirty. He's actually lower than A Rod in his voting. So I don't know why they don't like him outside of not liking him. You know, like <laughs> other than his personality, I don't know why. Personality shouldn't get you in or out of uh, the whole thing. You know? Yeah, no, it shouldn't. It really shouldn't. That guy, you don't automatically get in either. So <laughs> yeah, I mean. It should just be. It should just be stats, right? And he's got the bet, most home runs by a, a second baseman, and he's not in the whole thing. Mm. I wish they would explain that. <laughs> Why he's not in? Yeah. So, what does the week ahead look like? Because I know our next episode will be on Monday, August first. So we'll be basically doing the week. Before. We'll be previewing. 
and we're viewing at the same time the trade deadline because the trade deadline is Tuesday. Right. Um, um, I'm looking ahead for the week ahead. Big series with Milwaukee coming in to Fenway. And then they have a road trip in Houston and Kansas City. But I'm just interested to see Milwaukee because I have Milwaukee as my World Series team from the NL. That's another so, the bats for sure. Like I was talking about the Mets earlier. That's a team I think that could use a big bat, you know? Yes. Um, but uh, yeah, and we'll see the next week. Obviously, uh, Yankees, they got one more game against the Mets this week. And then, then they're, they're back home. Not that they're that far away, but they're back home to play a four game series against Kansas City which is nice, but the rest of August is really tough for the Yankees. I mean, it's not going to be easy. You got Seattle at home, then you go to St. Louis, go to Seattle, go back to Boston for three. Um, Boston's probably going to look a little different by then. Yes, the middle of August, yeah, definitely. Yeah, and then they come back home to like Tampa, Toronto, the Mets again. You know, then they do their West Coast, which they haven't done, at Oakland, at, L- at the Angels. You know, then it's at Tampa to start Tampa, uh, start September, excuse me. So they're going to have a, this is a big month for them. Not that they're going to lose 11 games in the standings. I'm not worried about the division, but um, if you want to get, if you want to keep that home field advantage in the playoffs. Yeah, it's, it's important. Yeah. So they're going to have to get on, they're going to have to get healthy. Hopefully trade deadline. We add a big time starter, like we said, and maybe another piece or two. So it'll be interesting. I, I think, like you said, um, when we get when we have our next episode, we'll be talking about hopefully some big trades. You know, yeah, I think there'll be a bunch of trades by the time we air on Monday afternoon because the trade deadline is the next day. So maybe not the biggest name, but I think it's gonna there's gonna be a good amount of movement before. For me, I think a lot is gonna tell us what at least for the Yankees what condition Seve's going to be the rest of the way. If they go hard after Castillo and Montas, and so far, that's all we've been hearing, that they're going to go, yep. they're going hard for them. So that's to me, that that tells me that Seve, they're not 100% on Seve coming back this year, or at least not that healthy, because if he was- Right, it's going to it's going to kind of show their hand. Yeah, because then you could, going back to what we said, maybe get a mid-level starter, just to kind of add to the mix, and you go harder for a reliever or harder for the outfielder, or they might go hard for two guys. You never know. I mean, um, that, that's, and, and I agree with you with Soto. I think Soto does not get moved yet unless they get totally blown away. Um, so that, that's, that's an interesting. And I, I, I did not think we'd be talking about Bogarts possibly getting traded from the Red Sox this year. I'm going to, I'm going to go on a limb and say he stays but I'm going to say I'm going to say multiple players on the active roster get traded from the Red Sox. Yeah. So it's a combination of J.D. Martinez, Vasquez, Avaldi. If Hill or Waka get healthy in time. So that's five candidates right there out of the 26-man roster that are all free agents at the end of the year. Right. Yeah. Plowecki is a backup catcher. That's six. We got Strom and the bullpen. He's a lefty. It's seven. There's a, there's like seven or eight guys on the active roster that are going to be free agents. If you're not going to sign them, 
it's not waving the white flag if you get something back for them and you let some younger players play. Right. It's just it's going to be interesting because August is going to be Yankees jockeying for top seed and the Red Sox maybe fighting to see who wants a spot on the starting on the starting lineup opening day 2023. Yeah, it's going to be and listen, we said it earlier, if And who knows, they might get hot for a week and it could be totally different because they are three and a half out. Oh, definitely. I'm my just, my whole my goal for the for August for the Red Sox, other than winning, is them to make a couple of moves for guys that they're not going to sign at the end of the year. Get something back for them, play some of the younger kids like Cassis and Downs, and still be competitive. Not not crazy like oh they're going to win ninety five games now. You know I'm not asking for my cake and eat it too. I'm just saying. Be competitive, stay around 500, and look to the future. Yeah. I, I just don't want them to totally tank it and sell off like crazy, but see if there's a middle ground. Usually in sports, there's not too much middle ground. So, Yeah, no, I agree. But my thing is, if, if the Red Sox don't trade them, they better sign them because – you better not let that guy walk out the door for nothing. Yeah, no, it, it, they're on the fence right now, and it's time to get off. <laughs> right. Basically. Yeah, I, and and say, oh, no, no, we're not trading him because we're signing him. We're, we're getting yeah, him. Yeah, <laughs> Bloom came out with a thing saying internally and externally, we haven't had no talks about moving Bogarts or Devers yet, but he said yet. Right. He threw that word in there, so we'll see. A lot can change in the next couple, couple of days. And by the next episode, it will be totally different. And um, one last thing, Susan Waldman got in the National Radio Hall of Fame. Yes. So. Very cool. Whatever, whatever fans or non-fans of the Yankees think of, you know, they make fun of the radio calls. They do a pretty good job. Yeah, and she's and and listen, and she was like one of the first women. I think she. Was. Yeah, she's she's like a trailblazer. Yeah. She definitely. knows baseball. She. She's there all the time. I, yeah, so well-deserved. How many, how many other media personalities could say they worked for both the Red Sox and the Yankees, right? Not many. Boston? Was she just from Boston? I know she's from Boston. She's from Boston. I, she might have done some work with the Red Sox. I don't remember. I don't want to age her too much, but I don't remember that far back. For like the local media, yeah, I know she's definitely from Boston. Yeah, but uh, yeah, you can tell the way she says John. Yeah. <laughs> oh my god. <laughs> but uh, anyway, this was a new episode of Talking Rivals, kind of midweek. But if you want to catch us online, you can catch us wherever you get your podcasts: Apple, Google, Spotify, um, Amazon, all across the web. Give it a listen. Hopefully give it a like. Find us at Talking Rivals on Twitter. Uh, we'll try to do a space every couple uh, in between the episodes. So look out for that. You can find Chris at CP7NY. He also does a Liftoff Jets show for all you uh, Jets football fans. And um, I am at Patrick Trotty on Twitter. And uh, until next time, 
just follow along and uh, good luck with the games. Take care.